Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Friday, November 2nd, 2018, you are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City right here in Denver, Colorado. You know, we get together every single weekday, we talk sports with a dose of common sense. We are happy to have you here with us today. Happy Friday to you. Yes, we have finally made it to Friday, and that is always a good thing. You know, today, the first Friday of November is actually considered National Jersey Friday. Now, on National Jersey Friday, you are supposed to wear your favorite player's jersey to school, to work, and at home, gear up, celebrate National Jersey Friday. You know what's funny? Because I'm a huge sports fan. I've been a huge sports fan since I was a kid, but I'm not a huge sports jersey guy. Maybe it's because, I don't know, I'm too old and jerseys weren't as big of a thing when I was a kid, but I didn't grow up with jerseys that like wasn't a thing and I've owned maybe four or five jerseys in my entire life and the only reason that I've owned any is because people gave them to me as gifts I don't think I've ever purchased a jersey in my entire life and the only time that I ever wore them was when I worked in corporate America and every once in a while on Fridays they would have those days that you could wear a sports jersey and like jeans And I was like, well, I'll wear the jersey that someone gave me so that I don't have to wear my usual business casual stupid clothes and I could get away with wearing a jersey and jeans. Other than that, like I said, I'm just not a huge jersey guy, but that's me. That's me. Maybe you like to wear the jersey of your favorite player or your favorite team. I've just never really been, you know, that guy. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you get me a nice Johnny Utah or maybe Ron Mexico jersey, I'll wear it. I mean, I would wear something like that, but... I don't have either one of those, so I don't wear them that often. Hey, if you'd like to contact us, let us know your favorite sports jersey of all time. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosesports at gmail.com, or go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at dailydosesports. Doesn't have to be jersey related. Maybe you've got a comment. Maybe you've got a question. Maybe you have a suggestion. Bring it. We would love to hear from you. Today on the show... Don't have a ton of breaking news to get to, not a whole lot going on, but we do have a couple of stories that we do want to touch on, and we will have our weekend sports preview. I've told you all week, this is a very good weekend for sports. We've got some really, really good games, really good weekend in college football, got some really good matchups in the NFL as well. Our weekend sports preview is packed, and as we usually do on Fridays, we do have our Daily Dose Top 5 a very popular segment on the show. 
You never know which way the Daily Dose Top 5 is going to go, but I will give you this little hint today. It is a little bit Halloween-themed as we celebrated Halloween on Thursday. You never know which way the Top 5 is going to go. You just kind of hold on for dear life and see where it takes us. Let's jump in, though. Starting off in the NFL, John Gruden's first season back with the Oakland Raiders has not been great so far. We've talked about that here on The Dose. The Raiders are now 1-6, and and as if that wasn't enough, we've seen Gruden trade two of the team's biggest stars as he shipped off Khalil Mack to Chicago, and then he sent Amari Cooper down to Dallas. But according to what John Gruden says last night, that hasn't affected other players' desire to play for him and to play for the Oakland Raiders next year. Last night before Oakland's game against the San Francisco 49ers, John Gruden told Howie Long that players around the NFL are telling him they would love to play for the Raiders in 2019. Here's what Gruden had to say. I got a cell phone just like you and everybody else. I get a lot of phone calls from people that are dying to come play here. I'm just telling you, they're dying to play for the Raiders. And to have a chance to talk to the people that you really want to wear the silver and black, the guys you really want to wear the silver and black and represent this team, that's exciting. That is what Gruden said last night. Of course, we know. John Gruden is in the first year of a 10-year contract that he signed to return to Oakland and coach these Raiders. But I'm not sure... I'm believing exactly what he's saying. Like, I'm a little bit skeptical of what Gruden said last night. I don't know if I believe there are all these players lining up to go to Oakland, but here's one of the reasons that I kind of doubt this. I have a hard time believing that right now, almost halfway through the season, right around the halfway point in the NFL season, guys are out there practicing, preparing, getting ready for their next week's opponent, and they're just sitting around going, you know what? You know who I bet would like to hear from me? I should give old John Gruden a call and tell him how much I'd love to play for the Raiders next year. Hey, John. Yeah, well, we're out here doing pass patterns right now, but I just wanted you to know. Well, yeah, next year. No, not this year. Next year, I'd really love to come play for the Raiders next year. I know you don't have a pass rusher and the whole quarterback situation is kind of dicey and you traded away some of your top players and your roster in general is sort of a mess, but I just wanted you to know next year, I'd really love to come play for you and the Raiders. Does that sound like that makes the most sense to you? Or does that sound like maybe John Gruden, I don't know, might have had a few beers before he made these comments? No one's doing that right now. Hey, if he says it after the season, then maybe at least like, I don't know, maybe, I guess, I guess that could happen. It's not the most unrealistic thing I've ever heard. But right in the middle of the season, they're calling John Gruden just to let him know, hey, just wanted you to know, Johnny, I'm thinking about you. Yeah, I don't think I believe that. Unless the players calling are like Jamarcus Russell and Robert Gallery, they might be calling. I mean, they have nothing else to do. Other than that, I don't think I believe any of this. And in more delusional news, our favorite NBA player, Cleveland Cavaliers guard J.R. Smith, is working on getting himself another fine from the league. J.R. was asked yesterday if he would like to be traded from Cleveland. Yeah, Smith said, they know. They don't want me here, so they obviously know. Now, you might not realize this. You're probably not an NBA player, but players are not allowed to make public trade requests. You might remember, former Phoenix Suns guard Eric Bledsoe was fined $10,000 for tweeting, I don't want to be here, last year. 
Now, now J.R. Smith this year is struggling with the Cavs. He's barely getting any minutes. He's 33. He's in his 15th season. He is making nearly $15 million, but he hasn't even played more than 20 minutes in a game yet this year because we know Cavs management wants to see the young players. And when I say wants to see the young players, I mean Cavs management wants to tank. But can someone please tell J.R. Smith the rules? I know that sounds obvious, but he never knows the rules. He just signs off on them, apparently. You know those stupid online agreements that you're just like, you click through them, just like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, I'm downloading iTunes. And, Do you agree to all these stipulations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give me iTunes. I'm not really worried about all that nonsense. That's what J.R. Smith apparently did with his contract. He didn't know he couldn't have a logo tattooed on his leg. He didn't know he can't say in public he wants to be traded. He didn't know the time or the score in the NBA Finals. Well, that one might be a little bit different, but you get what I'm saying. Seems to be there's a lot that J.R. Smith doesn't know. He needs a personal assistant. I think that's what he needs. J.R. Smith may need to get someone just follows him around. and J.R., J.R., no, 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 no. You don't want to go over there. Don't say that. No, don't do that. No, don't get that tattooed. J.R. Smith needs a personal assistant. And if I'm being completely transparent, I don't want that job. I feel like that would be a lot, a lot of mind-numbing work. Hey, coming back, we need to get to our weekend sports preview. I told you, we have some very good games coming this weekend. Clear your calendar. You're going to want to be near a TV this weekend. So let's shift over to our weekend sports preview. We do this every week just to kind of give you a heads up so you can plan your weekend accordingly. You don't want to be at a party and all of a sudden go, oh, I forgot that game is on. I totally spaced it. I didn't even realize that. We just try to lay out a good schedule for you so that you can kind of pick and choose that game. I need to see that game. I've got to kind of block that out on my calendar. I'm not making any plans for this time over the weekend because I want to be sure I see that game. We try to just give you a heads up, let you know what is going to be out there to watch. We do also pick the games. And we've been doing pretty well with our picks lately. Last week, we went 9-3. and three. Again, that's definitely in the money. So let's jump in and take a look at what games are out there for us to watch this weekend. Remember, all times given are mountain time zones. So adjust your schedule accordingly. Some really good stuff out there to watch this weekend. Okay, it starts off slow. I'll be honest about that. Tonight, there's not a whole lot to watch. Major League Baseball's done. The NBA is not, you know, that interesting quite yet. College football, there's some small schools playing tonight, but not a ton. There is one NBA game that I guess you could watch. We do have the Minnesota Timberwolves going to Golden State tonight at 8.30 p.m. Now remember, Minnesota is coming off of that 50-point game from Derrick Rose. I don't know how it happened. I would assume we'll see Derrick Rose on crutches very soon, but it happened. Again, I don't know. Sometimes a blind squirrel finds a nut. Derrick Rose found that nut earlier this week. We'll see if he can kind of keep that thing going. Plus, Jimmy Butler, I guess, has decided he's going to suit up and play for Minnesota tonight as they go to Golden State. Meanwhile, with Golden State, can Clay Thompson keep up that torrid shooting that he showed us the other night when he hit 14 threes earlier this week? Minnesota versus Golden State tonight, 8.30 p.m. Not a great game, but I guess if you're really looking for something to watch tonight, you could tune into that game. I'm going to take Golden State in that game. Okay, moving on tomorrow. Saturday is going to be amazing. And Sunday's going to be pretty good too. But starting at 1.30 p.m. tomorrow, 
we have the number six Georgia Bulldogs going to the number nine Kentucky Wildcats on the line, the lead in the SEC East. Whoever wins this game is going to have the inside track on going to the SEC championship. As bizarre as that may seem to all of us, Kentucky versus Georgia. Oh yeah, we all saw Kentucky coming, huh? When you look at this game, hey, this should be an easy win for Georgia. They've got more talent on both sides of the ball. They've got a high-powered offense. When they decide they want to run the ball, they're pretty effective. But don't sleep on Kentucky. I'll say this. Kentucky plays very tough defense, and Kentucky runs the football. So I think Kentucky can keep this closer than you might think. I'm going to take Georgia, but I do give Kentucky a shot to keep this close. Should be an interesting game, though. Also at 1.30, we've got a Big 12 matchup that might be worth your time. Now, the Texas Longhorns pooped their pants last week against Oklahoma State, so they need to bounce back. I don't really care about, you know, them going to the college football playoff, but I need them in contention where they could still face Ohio State in a bowl game. Remember, that is my personal dream. Tomorrow, number 17 Texas hosts a sneaky number 13 West Virginia team. And if West Virginia could somehow still run the table, They have a legitimate chance to play their way into the playoff. Don't sleep on West Virginia. I'm actually going to take West Virginia in this game. I still like Will Greer. I think he'll get it done against Texas. And I'm not completely sold on Texas being completely back. Not a bad Big 12 game there, though. At 145, we've got a Big 10 game that has playoff implications. You know, I talked earlier about how I'm not a jersey wearer. Just not that guy. But this game here might be the best uniform game of the weekend. We have the number 14 Penn State Nittany Lions, and they're playing uniforms, going to the number five Michigan Wolverines. Hey, both teams still wearing the classic uniforms. I know Oregon has all the new ones, and we see all these schools bringing out different colors and different schemes and different designs. I kind of just like Penn State versus Michigan. Clean, classic, looks good. But like I said, this is a huge Big Ten game, does have playoff implications because whoever wins this game does sit nicely in those Big Ten standings. One team is going to still have a chance. One team in this game is probably going to get eliminated. You know, I like Penn State quarterback Trace McSorley a lot. I think he's a tough kid. I think he deserves a shot in the NFL. I would like to see what he can do on Sundays, but I really like Michigan's defense this year. I will take Michigan in this game. Tomorrow night... 6 p.m., we have the big dog of the college football weekend. We have the SEC playing in the biggest game of the season so far. And again, huge playoff implications here as the number one Alabama Crimson Tide go to Death Valley to face the number three LSU Tigers. Now, I actually think Alabama could lose this game and still get into a playoff. We know the playoff committee loves Alabama. I think they would still push them through even if they were to lose a game like this. But if LSU were to lose this game, I think they're probably out. That gives them two losses. But what more do you want in college football this week? Number one versus number three in Death Valley at night. Nick Saban versus Ed Orgeron. Tua Tagovailoa versus the LSU defense. Hey, LSU is a very tough place to play, especially at night. I'm going to take Alabama, but I am hoping to see a great game on Saturday night. Moving on to Sunday, you know, when we do our weekend previews, we try to pick good games. 
we try to pick games that we think are going to be competitive. I'm not sure this first game of the NFL weekend that I'm picking is going to be good, but I think it could be interesting because at 11 a.m., we have the Kansas City Chiefs going to Cleveland to face the Browns. And I know that doesn't sound like a great matchup, but here's one thing to think about. The last time Patrick Mahomes faced Baker Mayfield in a game, Mahomes threw for over 700 yards and Mayfield threw seven touchdowns as Mayfield's Oklahoma Sooners beat Mahomes' Texas Tech squad 66-59. to Anyway, these two want to put on another show like that? If so, we'll be watching. Plus, you know, I do want to see how does Cleveland respond to losing both their head coach and their offensive coordinator? Are they going to battle? Are they going to fight back? Or are they going to feel sorry for themselves? Again, this shouldn't be a close game. I'll pick the Chiefs here and probably a snoozer but it could be more interesting than you might think. Also at 11 a.m. on Sunday, we have a very interesting game between two teams that genuinely don't really like each other as the 4-2-1 Pittsburgh Steelers go to Baltimore to face the 4-4 Baltimore Ravens. Now the Ravens can get themselves right back on top of the AFC North with a win here, and the Steelers seem like they have been quietly, slowly getting a little bit better. We still have no idea what Le'Veon Bell's going to do. He's still not back. They obviously can't trade him, but we still don't know what Bell's going to do. But the Steelers are quietly getting better. And running back James Conner, all he's doing is producing. He's going out and playing pretty good football. I'll take Pittsburgh on the road here, but this should be a very close game. At 2.25 p.m. on Sunday, we actually have an old NFC West matchup. And nowadays, we're going to see a battle between two of the top teams and top offenses in the league. The Los Angeles Rams go to New Orleans to face the Saints. Not sure if you realize this, but there are actually odds now in Vegas as to whether or not the Rams can go through the season undefeated. Well, I'm going to say this. I think that ends this week. I'm going to pick the Saints to get the win at home. We know how good Drew Brees is in that dome. I think the Saints put it in to the Rams' undefeated season right here. Finally, we finish off the weekend with a Sunday night game between the most decorated quarterback in pro football history, if you ignore Autogram, versus one of the most talented quarterbacks in NFL history as Tom Brady and the New England Patriots host Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Now, if I'm being completely honest, I'm not overly thrilled with either of these two teams. I think they both have some serious flaws within their teams, But these are two very, very good quarterbacks, and hopefully we get a memorable shootout. You know, something like Elway versus Montana. That'd be a really fun game to see on Sunday night. Or Bradshaw versus Staubach. Or, I don't know, Pete Carroll versus Common Sense. Either way, I will take the Patriots here on Sunday night, but that is a pretty solid weekend of sports. Make sure you block out your weekend and have some space in front of the TV because there is a ton to watch. Hey, coming back, we need to get to our Daily Dose Top 5. You know, all week we've been talking about Halloween. We are going to continue that today with our Daily Dose Top 5. We've discussed some scary players this week. We've discussed some Halloween costumes this week. When we get back, we're going to discuss some scary moments in the world of sports. Hey, just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping you need to do, And I hate to bring this up. I really do. But Christmas is coming quickly. I know you don't want to think about that, but it is coming quickly. You might want to head over to lootcrate.com forward slash daily dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles featuring your favorite TV shows, movies, 
and video games. November's Loot Crate theme is now out. It is called Laboratory. Some truths can only be found under a microscope. Countless experiments in the Loot Crate Laboratory have yielded a collection of cutting-edge gear that exists beyond mortality. Are you ready for the next step? Hey, November's Loot Crate theme features items from Bioshock, Westworld, and Better Call Saul. But if none of those franchises interest you, remember, you can go to Loot Crate. You can choose from a huge selection of crates. You can pick a monthly subscription of crates that you can order or skip every single month if you like what they're offering. Or you can just go over to Loot Crate and pick individual items to order. And trust me, they have just about any franchise you can think of. The best part about ordering from Loot Crate when you check out, just be sure you type daily dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order just as a little thank you for tuning into the daily dose each and every day. Now, as we do every Friday, we need to get to our daily dose top five. five. You know, like I said, all week we've been talking Halloween. We've been talking scary things in honor of Halloween. Why should that change today? It's not going to. We've looked at some scary players from previous eras as well as right now. We looked at some of the best Halloween costumes that we saw this week. And today, our Daily Dose Top 5 is going to count down the top five scariest sports moments in history. And trust me, there have been some scary ones. Like this is a little bit of a dark Daily Dose Top 5, but it's Halloween week. That's just kind of where we're going this week. Coming in at number five. Five. Monica Seles was the top-ranked women's tennis player heading into 1993. She had won the French Open for three consecutive years. She had won the U.S. Open and the Australian Open in consecutive years. But on April 30th, during a quarterfinal match in Hamburg, in which Seles was leading, an obsessed fan of Steffi Graf ran from the middle of the crowd to the edge of the court during a break between games and stabbed Celis in the back with a knife. She was taken quickly to a hospital, and even though her physical injuries only took a few weeks to heal, she didn't return to competitive tennis for more than two years. Now, initially, there was some speculation maybe this was some sort of a political thing because Celis was from Yugoslavia, and she was known to have received death threats because of the conflict going on there. But German authorities were quick to rule this out. They said her attacker was possibly mentally disturbed. He was actually charged following the incident, but he wasn't jailed because he was found to be psychologically abnormal and was instead sentenced to two years probation and psychological treatments. Yeah, that alone is scary. The incident prompted a significant increase in the level of security at tennis tour events. You know, I remember this when it happened and it really was disturbing how easy he got to sell us. That was the scary part. But you know one thing, if you watch the replay of when Celis got stabbed, the most impressive part of the whole thing is how calm she remained. There was no Nancy Kerrigan. Why? Why? She was obviously very traumatized, but she stays completely calm. She doesn't freak out. She doesn't panic. She goes back to her trainer and they eventually lay down and get her the medical help that she needed. But this was an extremely scary moment. You don't think of some nut in the stands going out and attacking an athlete. But that's exactly what we saw. By the way, Monica Seles would never play in Germany again. Coming in at number four. four. During a 1989 semifinal match between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest, 96 people were killed 
during a human crush at Hillsboro. The tragedy began initially because there was a car accident on the main road leading to the stadium and thousands of fans were running late for the match because of all the traffic. When they arrived, obviously there was this huge bottleneck of fans trying to get in because people were going in faster than the stadium turnstiles would allow them in. Cops opened an exit in order to get fans in faster, but this just caused overcrowding in one section of the stadium. So what happened was fans in the front of the stands were being pushed up against the fence, separating them from the field. The referees had to stop the game just six minutes in after their attention was called to fans climbing the fences because they were being crushed up against the fences. One gate was forced open and most of the fence eventually just fell. There were over 700 injured fans that overwhelmed police and medical personnel. 44 ambulances had to arrive on site, but the problem was none of them could get into the stadium because of all the traffic. Now, most of the blame eventually went on the poor police control and how bad the stadium was designed. There's actually a very interesting documentary about this event, but Hillsboro in 1989, that is one of the most horrifying stories we have ever seen in the world of sports. It comes in at number four. Moving on to number three. Game three of the 1989 World Series between the Oakland A's and San Francisco Giants was scheduled to start at 5.35 p.m. at Candlestick Park in San Francisco. Thousands of people were already in the stadium. And then this happened. Here's a clip courtesy of ABC. Candy Maldonado with the hesitation, allowing Jose Canseco to score, and he fails to get Dave Parker at second base, so the Oakland A's take, take, I'll tell you what, we're having a real, well folks, that's the greatest open in the history of television, bar none, (laughs) yes it certainly did, we're still here, (laughs) we are still as we can tell on the air, and I guess you are hearing us, even though we have no picture and no return audio, and we will be back, we hope, from San Francisco in just a moment. Because of the coincidence of it hitting exactly at start time, it was actually the first time a major earthquake in the United States was ever broadcast by live television. At the time the earthquake hit, ABC's crew was in the booth, you heard Tim McCarver presenting that highlight package, the earthquake hits while the video's playing, and it knocks the feed out. Now, I remember watching this, but you didn't know exactly what was going on at first. You just saw the feed get knocked out. So you didn't know if it was like technical difficulties or if like a bomb had gone. You had no idea what was happening. But I remember watching this and just getting a really uneasy feeling. You could just tell something was wrong. Something bad had happened in San Francisco. Now, game three would end up being postponed for five days. That actually makes it the longest delay in World Series history. And eventually, the Oakland A's would win the game 13-7. They would go on to sweep the Giants in four games. But the start of Game 3 and the 89 earthquake that took place in the Bay Area, that was a very scary moment in the world of sports. Moving on to number two. Ugh, a dark day in the world of sports. On November 19, 2004, we saw one of the scariest events ever at a sports event when the Indiana Pacers faced the Detroit Pistons in Auburn Hills, Michigan with 45 seconds left in the game. Pistons center Ben Wallace 
went up for a layup, but he was fouled by Pacers small forward Ron Artest. He was mad about the foul because the game was already in hand, and Wallace pushed Artest. Then a fight breaks out between several players. After that fight gets broken up, a fan throws a drink from the stands at Artest when he was near the scorer's table, and then things got way worse. Artest charged into the stands after the fan, which sparked a huge brawl between players and spectators all the way up into the stands. It lasted several minutes. The Associated Press called it the most infamous brawl in NBA history. It has been dubbed the worst night in NBA history. Following the game, the NBA suspended nine players for a total of 146 games, which led to $11 million in salary being lost by players. Five players were also charged with assault and eventually sentenced to a year of probation and community service. Five fans also faced criminal charges. They were banned from ever attending Pistons games for the rest of their lives. Here is a clip from the Malice in the Palace in 2004 from ESPN. The Pacers have played a very intelligent game tonight. And Wallace is fouled, and Wallace did, oh, Wallace, right at our chest. This has potential to be serious if they don't get between. Wallace upset. Players trying to hold each other off. Steven Jackson will receive Wallace, trying to be peacemakers, now Jackson yelling. Wallace still going. You need the coaches in there to get him away. Jackson, Steven, challenging Derek Coleman. Somebody should just get Jackson out of quickly as possible. The problem is, if Wallace is ejected, I'm not sure. He'd have to walk past the Pacer bench to go. Now Artest has jumped over the scorer's table and is trying to get down to the bench. Artest is in the stands. Oh, this is awful. Fans are getting involved. Steven Jackson's in the fans. Rasheed Wallace going into the stands. The security trying to somehow restore order. Fans and players are going at it, and the players trying to help each other out. This is a disgrace. And you know what I remember about this game was following the game, they're getting everyone out. You could see fans just losing their minds, throwing anything they had down at the players. But the biggest thing I remember was they went into the locker room and they interviewed Detroit Pistons head coach Larry Brown. And he is such a fan of the game. He knows the history of the game. He was absolutely crushed. He was so devastated that this had happened on his watch. The malice in the palace in 2004 was a truly scary night in sports. Scary from the player's perspective, scary from the fan's perspective. You know, basketball is a little bit different. You are so close to the action. That's what makes it amazing as a spectator. And that's also what makes it scary. On this night in 2004, it was horrifying. So what could come in at number one? Well, you know, I remember most of these on this list. But the scariest moment in sports took place just a little before my time. During the 1972 Summer Olympics at Munich, in the early morning of September 5th, a group of Palestinian terrorists stormed the Olympic Village apartment of Israeli athletes. They killed two. They took nine others hostage. The terrorists were part of a group known as Black September in return for the release of their hostages. They demanded that Israel release over 230 Arab prisoners being held in Israeli jails and released two German terrorists as well. In the ensuing shootout at the Munich airport, 
the nine Israeli hostages were killed along with five terrorists and one West German policeman. After a memorial service was held for the athletes at the main Olympic Stadium, International Olympic Committee President Avery Brundage actually ordered the games continue to show that the terrorists hadn't won, although the tragedy obviously deeply marred these games. There's that dark cloud over that. There were still some pretty amazing athletic achievements. Don't forget, at 72, American swimmer Mark Spitz did win seven gold medals. Here is a clip of Jim McKay from ABC reporting the news about the terrorist event at the 72 Munich Games. Good afternoon. I'm Jim McKay speaking to you live at this moment from ABC headquarters just outside the Olympic Village in Munich, West Germany. The peace of what is what have been called the Serene Olympics was shattered just before dawn this morning about five o'clock when Arab terrorists armed with submachine guns, faces blackened, a couple of them disguised as guards or as uh, trash men in the Olympic Village, climbed the fence, went to the headquarters of the Israeli team and immediately killed one man, Moshe Weinberg, a coach, two shots in the head, one in the stomach. You know, when I was a kid, my father used to say, our greatest hopes and our worst fears are mm -hmm. seldom realized. Our worst fears have been realized tonight. They have now said that there were 11 hostages. Two were killed in their rooms this mo yesterday morning. Nine were killed at the airport tonight. They're all gone. Hey, like I said, this was a dark Daily Dose Top 5. I'm not trying to put you in a bad mood for the weekend, but as you can see, we have seen some scary moments in the world of sports. And you know the biggest thing I take from this? Not that I'm going to go into a sporting event being afraid of it. You can't live life that way. But the one thing that I do keep in mind when I'm watching sports, you may be watching history at any time. You never know when it's going to happen. Hopefully it's nothing horrible like these, but you just might be witnessing history when you turn on the game that you're looking for that week. Hey, it is Friday and we made it through another week. I hope you are enjoying the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to The Daily Dose every day. Thank you for reaching out to us. Thank you so much for sharing the show with your friends, with your coworkers, with your family. We appreciate that so much. Thank you for subscribing to the show wherever it is that you listen. It is all very appreciated. Have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all on Monday. Have a great weekend.